Well, to borrow a phrase from a man I uh, deeply uh, admire, uh, I'd like to pull up a chair. Take me out to the ball game. Excited to begin. Um, just a couple of idiots talking about baseball. Kenny, you got anything? Just welcome. We're here to have a good time. You know, if things get a little heated, don't be surprised. Uh, be yeah, fun. it should be really fun. Um, you know, today we're going to talk about um, obviously the big deal in baseball right now is the labor negotiations. Um, you know, how many games are going to get played. Uh, what's the deal with the money situation, owners, players, um, all of the business of baseball is at the forefront of the game right now. And that's what we're going to talk about to start. Should be an interesting conversation. Uh, we're going to move on from that to our start bench cut segment. Um, we're going to have three players who are very similar, uh, the same position. And we're going to decide who we're going to start bench and cut using some, uh, some analytics and some statistics. Um, so that should be interesting. Uh, me and Kenny probably get some different answers on that. So, uh, tune in for that part. Then we're going to move on to layoffs and some cutting of the minor league players. Another big topic. Uh, our boy Jeff Passon's all over that lately. So he'll have some information, uh, that we're going to give to you. Um, we're going to do a most underrated player segment. Again, me and Kenny are going to have two different guys. Not really much heat probably going on. We never know. Maybe we'll argue about it. Um, but yeah, underrated player. Uh, I'll give you some reasons why. And then we're going to end off with uh, our division outlook. So that's going to be something that we're going to do every podcast um, until we run out of divisions to look at. Um, we're going to start off today with the most 
controversial division in uh, all of baseball, and that's the American League East. Um, obviously, the Yankees are looking uh, like they normally do with the powerhouse offense. Their staff's a lot better. Um, but for the rest of AL East, it's kind of up for grabs. So we're going to talk about that, and then we're going to end today. So should be an interesting podcast. Uh, first one starting off hot, and, uh, you know, we're excited about it. Let's get right, rolling. All right. So we're going to start off today with the uh, labor negotiations, the potential return date that we see happening and the best and worst case scenario. So right now, what we're seeing from the owners and the PA is they really can't come up with an agreement on how much players should be making. Um, going to look like so we're going to just start by discussing that so right now what we're seeing is an 82 game regional schedule with the universal dh a 30 man active roster with a 20 player taxi squad and 14 team postseason played in home cities in october bo you got anything else about yeah, that i want to ask you something so if you're a player and you can either take 82 game schedule that the owners are are offering and you get an extreme pay cut off of your already prorated salary, do you take that? Or would you rather play a 50-game schedule what the owners have now proposed where you are getting your prorated salary? Well, they're going to be about even. I would, I think they're going to be probably even considering that you're prorated of 30 games less than 82 games compared to having your pay cut from 82 games. Which, which one are you taking? Because I don't know that the 50-game is – any better than the 82 games, you're getting a pay cut. But at the same time, in the 50 games, you're still getting paid what you were supposed to get paid. So I don't know. It's kind of confusing as if you're a player. Yeah, I think my my opinion on that is I think we're taking the 50-game schedule just because your salary is going to be pro- prorated. As a starting pitcher, you're going to make 10 starts. Uh, the 82-game season, I just I just don't know how that's all going to work and the time frame they're going to fit it in. I mean, you, you see the time frame that they're talking. I just feel like that's a lot of games. And I don't know. I think the 50-game schedule as a player, I would take that. That's, I think that's the thing is first. that if you're going to play 82 games as a player, it, it doesn't make sense to take a pay cut if you already – I mean, they already agreed with the owners to take a, a prorated salary. And so now owners yeah. came back with that offer that had a pay cut off of that prorated. So I know that obviously everybody knows that, you know, the Mike Trouts and the Harpers of the world are only, only going to get paid like $7 million. And the owners were smart because when they proposed it, they knew that they're pretty much pitting the players against the players because the guys that aren't making a lot of money aren't losing as much money. And they're figuring, okay, I'm going to play anyway no matter what the season is, even though I'm getting a pay cut, because I'm still not losing as much money than I normally would have made. Where if you're one of those guys that's worked your whole life to make this big payday, and now all of a sudden you're getting a fifth of that, you're you're getting screwed. So, I mean, yeah. I, I the owners were very smart, and they turned the they turned the battle on the players against the players in what initially was owners against the players. So, I I, I don't really know how this ends up working out unless they come to a serious agreement that they're going to all take their prorated salary 
and they're going to play a number of games that will fit into a, a time frame that they actually – I mean, it's already June. That's the thing. It's already June. Yeah. Well, you're – so you – I mean, right now, best case scenario, I think what you're looking at is a middle of July start. You got to get these pitchers three to four weeks of live at-bats. I mean, if you start – let's say they start – uh, two weeks from now, I mean, three weeks from then is the second week of July already. So I think we're already looking at the middle of July. You're two months away from the postseason already at that point. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have a whole lot of time now. But then that kind of brings me into my next you, – you brought up that. But how about, like, the health of players? I mean, you got cancer survivors in the league. You got Anthony Rizzo, John Lester, Carlos Carrasco. You got guys with diabetes. Jordan Hicks, Adam Duvall, and guys with heart and blood issues with Kenley Jensen, Scott Oberg, Mike Fulton-Nevich. Like, these guys are at-risk guys for the virus. What happens to those guys? Do those guys just not get paid for a year? Like, I, what is the league going to do well, about I those think guys? The, the MLBPA, they – in their offer of the – I think they proposed 114 games, which that obviously has no ch- – that's never going to happen. Um, but in that yeah. offer, they – had uh, an option for players to drop out of their contract for the year if they were at risk. So if you're a guy who has no yeah. underlying health conditions and you are between the ages of like 22 and 32, so you're not at risk of really, um, you know, dying from the disease, you don't really have the option of backing out. But if you do have underlying health conditions, I guess that was one of their big proposals that you could drop out, which again, if you're an owner and I know owners are selfish, I mean, that's how they tell they make money. You have to be selfish in a, in a corporate position. Um, but mm-hmm. if you're an owner that, I mean, that's, that's tough. Cause if I have a, if I have Mike Fulton and he's a key piece of my rotation and all of a sudden he says, yeah, my underlying health conditions scare me. I can't play. You can't say no. Yeah, or you got a guy like John Lester who's, you know, in the last couple years of his career, you know, probably his last year as a Cub, uh, you know, he talked about going back to Boston to finish out his career and stuff after this year. But, you know, like, what about a guy like that? His his time's coming to an end. He does – I mean, he's going to want to go out and play. He's That's the only thing done. I heard. And I Lester mean, was actually yeah. the example that I heard, but, like, if you're a guy like Lester who's making, you know, $27 million this year and you only have a few years left, if they're going to tell you you're only going to make $5 million this year, I'll, I'll hang them up. I'm, I'm, I've made enough yeah, exactly. in my career exactly. and I've played enough baseball that for me to go out there and make a fifth of my salary, that's not even worth it to me. And I got a hotel away from no. my kids and my family. Like, that doesn't really yeah. – so unless they're doing the prorated salary – and a number of games that fits in the time frame. Which here's the other big thing. We're in baseball season right now. So everybody's looking to baseball to come back. I mean, we've already seen hockey yep. make an adjustment to make sure their season's back. NBA's already talking about going to Orlando, and Wojnowski just tweeted out that um, they already have their plan, like the 22 teams or something. Yeah, 22 teams, so yeah. if you're baseball, you're in baseball season, and you're the only ones that don't have a solution. So, at some point, it's going to be, you know what, screw it, because those, those fans that are on the edge, like, all right, I like baseball, but I like basketball, and I like hockey just as much, or I like hockey a little more than baseball, but I watch baseball when it's baseball season. Those fans are going to say, screw it, I'm going to go watch the sport that's playing, and I'm just not going to pay attention to what's going on in baseball anymore. And so, you're losing fans. Yeah. So, I mean, I understand that the owners are talking about all these losses that they're going to 
you know, they're going to have. And, you know, the players are talking about, well, we signed for this and we've worked our whole lives and we have a five to six year, you know, peak for our career. And all of a sudden we're not going to get paid for that. I mean, like, look at what Scherzer said. Let's see documentation. Because unless the players see, holy smokes, the owners are going to lose this much money. Like, you have to assume that the billionaire owners are going to be fine. Well, yeah, but you got the small market owners that I think are going to be the biggest ones affected. You got Mark Anastasio, the Brewers, and the Rays owner. Who the, I mean, those teams are really seriously going year by year, and their fan attendance is what's paying them. I mean, Anastasio said earlier in the year that if we haven't had this much success the last two years, I, we're not increasing our payroll every year. We're not going out and signing Christian Yelich to the extension. I mean, it's it's the fans attendance that brings in the revenue and for these teams well, the big to get these players things is like you talk about like small market owners and they don't have as much money but i mean even the a's who are known for being a small market team you know john fisher's worth two billion dollars and so yeah. i mean yeah you might lose a tad bit of that but at the same time once the season starts up the tv revenue deals they start up again your merchandise sales are going to start up again and, I mean, all that stuff is going to bounce back. And if you're already prorating the guy's salaries, you're already cutting off a lot of what you were – your prepaid or your expenses that you already had, you know, accounted for. I don't really see how you lose that much money. And that's why I think all the players are asking, can we see documentation? Mm-hmm. No, I agree with you on that. Um, but then the other thing, you know, going on the health of the players and all that, like what happens if a player does test positive for the virus? I mean, you just saw Japan was starting their baseball league up and they just had two players for, well, I think the Giants or whatever, uh, they tested positive. So now their their team is shut down for two weeks. So how is that going to work in the season if a major league baseball player tests positive? I think positive? that's – I mean, that's obviously – the most important thing is making sure people stay. I mean, obviously we're talking about money and the game and we're fans. So we want to see it back, but the most important thing is keeping people healthy. And the second that that becomes an issue, I think, I mean, the league has to shut down, right? Oh well, yeah. That's like, that's why, that's what I talked about when we get into our worst case scenarios over here. I'm just like, I, I talked about it. Like, so let's say, you know, you get a guy for the San Francisco giants. Do you two guys test positive? They go play a series against the Oakland A's, they can, they uh, spread it over to the A's. I mean, at that point, you almost have to shut down the season. I think that at that point, you have to yeah, almost bank the I mean, season and just say, hey, yeah. we're going to come and back next year. You can't isolate teams for having it because then that messes up the entire schedule. So, I mean. Yeah, because then what are you going to give? So, the, that team that just had a player test positive, so you shut that team down for two weeks. Are you giving their opposing teams wins for two weeks? the other thing is, it's, if we're talking about, like, like missing games because the team got the virus, we're only you're only going to play 50, 60 games probably, and so those three yeah, games so that, that you're going to play that takes a fourth three games, games away. away that you're going to miss, or if if we're taking off two weeks and you miss 10, 12 games because you had to isolate your team for two weeks, those twelve games are vital because you're only playing 50, 60. Like you're missing out on a fifth of your season. Yeah. Well, then let's, let's go into the, what, what do you think the potential return date is? What do, what are you um, thinking is honestly looking all, good? I mean, I know all we said is it's pretty negative and we're pretty pessimistic about it, but I do think that they are taking a step in the right direction because for the owners to see the 114 games, see the fully prorated, 
and they get, I mean, they got their stuff absolutely denied by the players' union with the pay cut, and they come back with a 50-game schedule where they are still fully prorated, I think that's a step in the right direction. Because now if you're the players, you can come back and yep. say, okay, we still want the prorated. We're glad you saw that. Um, but I think 50 games isn't really enough for us to, to make the money that we kind of want to make. So what if we played, like, you know, a 70 game or an 80 game? And if we could make that work. And I think the owners would be a lot more willing, which, again, pretty much takes it back to the original player's offer, which was 82 games prorated, and we start off in, like, early July. So I think that yep. the owners made the right move by coming back and not insisting on the pay cuts. I think that's a good step in the right direction. I think that's probably the best case scenario that we start early July. Because if this deal gets done the next week, which is, I mean, that's obviously being, you know, really positive. But if it gets done the next week and we're able to report players to a spring training and that starts, you know, in the second, third week of June and you give them two weeks to get ready, I think that you could make it start in the first week of July. No, I saw I saw something interesting. This is on Instagram. Uh, Doctor Heenan, who's a pitching research guy, uh, he was he had something come out where he was talking about that we're going to see a huge uptake oh, in Tommy sure. John surgeries this year, just because pitchers, you know, they're throwing, but it's nothing competitive. You see Marcus Stroman posting on his Instagram. He's pitching all, you know, he's pitching throwing the amount of pitches, but I, he's not throwing out a hundred percent. I mean, there's nothing like game speed. You can throw all the bullpens in the world, what you consider hundred percent. But nothing's close to game speed. So what I've seen other stuff come out where pitch where uh, teams should consider, you know, not pitching to ground this year, not pitching a Strowman this year, not pitching a Beeler this year. Let those guys just sit out this year. You don't want to lose them all of this year and all of next year for rushing them back. What would you? What do you think about sitting these star uh, pitchers for a year? I think it depends year? on what you see your team at. Because the Dodgers, I mean. There's no way you can sit Bueller because you have a legitimate chance to win a World Series. And same thing with the Yankees. You can't sit Cole because you have a legitimate chance of winning a World Series. But if you're the team like, you know, uh, the Detroit Tigers, maybe we'll give Boyd and Fulmer the year off. And we'll let some of our younger yeah. guys try and develop, and we'll let them know that, hey, you guys are still going to get paid, but we're just we don't want you guys to get hurt. Or if you're, if you're the Royals, and mm-hmm. hey, maybe we'll give Brad Keller, which also a big F you to Brad Keller because – he hates Tim Anderson, but like, let's give let's give Brad <laughs> Keller, you know, the year off, and let's let him just you know keep his arm healthy, and that way when we come back for a full year next year, he's ready to go. So I don't, I mean, it depends on the team. Yeah, but does okay, but does this World Series even count? This is an asterisk here. It's the same thing that's going to happen if the Bucks or the Lakers go in the championship this year in the NBA. It's an asterisk year. They just had three months off. Is this even a a big World Series year? I, it's always going to be an asterisk World Series. Yeah, you get the World Series title, which, you know, the Dodgers have been chasing for however long, and they can't freaking win one, even though they bring the best players in every single year, and they go out, get Mookie, and all that. But, I mean, how much does this well, World Series thing. even mean? Besides a, a banner. Dodgers, and we went out and gave up one of our top prospects in Verdugo, one of our top prospects in Jeter Downs to get Mookie, and we have him for one year. And even though this year is only going to be 50, 60 games, it's our one year with one of the top five players in baseball. How do you not like, even though it's a, it's a different world series than we would normally be, you know, expecting, how do you not try and win a world series? And the same thing with the Phillies. I mean, yeah. you spent all this money. You went out and made a huge deal. to get real Muto. This is your chance to be competitive and try and win a world series. How do you not 
try and win a World Series. And so, and like teams like yep. the Cubs, your window is closing fast. Like we have. Oh yeah, they're gonna lose Baez and Bryant. One of those three at and the so end of the year. And so all of a sudden, our window's closed. And hey, a fifty-game season—that's a lot more anarchy. So we have a really good chance that even though we're in one of the toughest divisions in baseball, let's say somebody goes down for the Brewers or Cardinals, or let's say they—I mean, all it takes in this year is to have a four or five game losing streak and you are done. And so let's say the Brewers have like a four or five game losing streak or the Cardinals, you know, they drop three in a row to the Cubs. Well, this is, this season is very winnable. And so it's hard to take away the opportunity to win when the opportunity to win is so much bigger. Yeah. I mean, as a Brewers fan, um, I'd like to see us go out and win, but I mean, Woodruff is such an instrumental piece to our rotation where if they did decide, Hey, we're going to shut Woodruff down. I mean, that's our number one pitcher. I mean, that guy's going to be a stud in Milwaukee for a long time to come. I think it, me just like looking at all this stuff and Hey, I don't want this guy to go down to Tommy John surgery and lose them all in 2021. I think that's where we almost say, Hey, Corbin Burns, this is going to be your year to go out and show that you could actually compete in a big league rotation I mean the guy has home run issues um he gives up a lot of hits but I think you know you give him the confidence to say hey this is going to be your year to go out and show us go prove something let him know that he has something yeah, to prove. I think, I think we could see benefits from that ultimate, as well ultimate thing is the, depending on the amount of games because there's 114 games you're going to see a lot of teams oh yeah you're, well, you're going to see guys. a lot of teams that know they're not going to win just give in because there's no point getting their young guys hurt. Mm-hmm. But if it's going to be 50 games, I mean, any, even the worst teams in the league have, I mean, last year three for 50 games, the giants were 31 and 19. Like the giants yep. were 31 and 19. They'd be in the playoffs if they had a 50 game schedule last year. And the nationals would have finished in last place at 19 and 31. So, yep. I mean, 50 games is a wild card, especially with more teams in the playoffs. So, I think it depends on the amount of games, and uh, I, I think we'll find out in the next week what's going to happen. I think they're I think they're getting close, yeah. so I think that's where we'll. You know. I uh, I saw an interesting tweet the other day. Um, I don't know. It was just some guy talking. He's like, "What if we almost just bang this season and last off season, so sure. that teams aren't held onto the contract? So like, from the day that the Nationals won the World Series to." like this year just would be done. So almost like he said, Mookie would return to the Red Sox. Like it's almost like if they can't figure something out this whole uh, last off season and this, whatever would be this season is just like a wash. What, what think, would you think about that? That would almost be impossible. If you're the Red Sox, like we got the deal that we wanted to get done and we don't know if we're going to ever get that much from Mookie again, which they probably would be able to, but you know, hypothetically with, let's say we couldn't, well, now all of a sudden we're stuck with a guy who's going to be gone in a year, and I mean, I don't, I don't see any way that that would actually be able to be plausible, just because you have there's been so many big transactions with big money that yep, I don't, I don't know how that would happen, but yeah, and you know, if you did something like that, like would the Yankees go out and give Cole that big contract? I mean, he's a year older now. Or all of a sudden, does he say, actually, I want to go back to my home in Los Angeles, so Angels open up the checkbook. Yeah, and now I, don't know, I I just saw that tweet and you know wanted to get your opinion on that. Just yeah. see what they all 
What right. do you have to think about that? Well, we've been talking about this for 20 minutes, so we're going to want to start bench cut. All right, we are on segment number two, which is start bench cut. I'm kind of excited for this one because I have a little hometown bias here. But uh, Kenny, why don't you read off the guys that we are going with today? Yeah, so we're going to compare the the group of 26-year-old studs. So these are all shortstops who are actually all 26 years old, which is kind of interesting that we all kind of got them. You know, I think they're all kind of starting their peak, maybe in it a little bit, but – yeah, this will be a good segment to do. All right, here. so we are going to look at Paul DeYoung, shortstop for the St. Louis Cardinals, Trey Turner, shortstop for the Washington Nationals, and hometown hero, shortstop Tim Anderson of the Chicago White Sox. So I'll start. Um, my start shortstop, and I know it's biased, but I'm going to go with Tim Anderson, and here's why. So although his defensive metric, which is that's the one big thing that holds him back, is that defensively, he is not in the top tier. But realistically, the people that say DeYoung is such a good shortstop, which he does have a high um, value as a defensive shortstop, according to Fangraphs, his outside of the zone is one of the lowest in the league. So what I'm saying is DeYoung is very good at making plays that everybody else makes. He doesn't doesn't make errors on routine plays, which again – is very important at probably the most important defensive position on the field. But at the same time, a shortstop needs to make plays that other guys in the field can't make as well. And that's something that Tim Anderson does, is he's one of the highest out-of-the-zone defensive rating players in the league, and that's over the last two years. So it hasn't been like just this year that he picked up his you know, range as a shortstop, but he's been doing it for the last couple of years, whereas DeYoung – is actually one of the worst uh, outside the zone shortstops. And Turner is just kind of right in the middle because he's so fast. But, again, he sometimes misses on some routine ground balls as well. But, obviously, the most important thing about Anderson is his offense. I mean, he led the league in average, which I know is an outdated statistic. And average is, you know, very much overrated. But, again, a guy that hits, you know, 330 on a year, you can't discount that he's on base 33% of the time just hitting the ball. So – um, I think that's very important for him, along with he still was fifth among shortstops and on base. So even though he doesn't walk as much because his average was so good and he still had some walks, not a lot, but some, he still was fifth in all shortstops and on base percentage. Fourth in shortstops and later runs create a plus. Um, and I think the one big thing holding him back besides defense is that he has that big differential in his BABIP and his actual average, which, again, that's going to regress. We all know it's going to regress. Um, that's just the way baseball works. But, uh, I mean, a guy that has a 330 average, and even though his Babbitt is almost 400, he's still going to probably do the exact same thing next year and provide you better range at shortstop than the other two guys. And with that being said, I think my bench guy is going to be Trey Turner. Um, Trey Turner kind of is right in the middle of Tim Anderson and Young. So Anderson and DeYoung are very polarizing in what they do. DeYoung, I mean, according to his defense, very good defensive shortstop. I mean, he was seventh in shortstop war. Um, He had the highest walk rate amongst the three guys. So he does a lot of things that are very polarizing, but at the same time, does a lot of things that are, you know, very average. Where Turner, 
Although he doesn't do anything that's super polarizing, he's one of the best in the entire game, not since short. Um, he's running over the last two years, and he has the lowest K percentage and the highest on-base percentage of those three guys. So in today's game, where on-base percentage is valued higher than anything else in the league, he has the higher of the three which I think makes him more valuable to me. And the fact that he's able to get on base so much without striking out as much as the other two makes him very, very valuable as a shortstop. So I'm going to make my start bench cut as Anderson. I'm the starting part. Trey Turner is going to be my bench. And we'll smell you to Paul DeYoung, who's still a very good player. Yeah, and uh, I think you're going to be shocked here. But my start's Tim Anderson. Um, You know, I've – I really – Wow. Yeah, I've, uh, you know, just in recent times, I've been looking into it. And uh, I've, I've kind of built like an ideal lineup for me if I was an MLB manager. And I think Tim Anderson, in my ideal lineup, is a three-hitter. Um, just because, you know, a four-hitter, you know, is a power guy. It's always going to be a power guy. But I think with Tim Anderson, you get a guy or two on, he's going to move him over. He's going to get on base to – just keep the line moving a little bit. Um, you know, I think they, they, I was looking through like his six year peak or whatever, and uh, he's going to be a 320 hitter throughout, throughout that peak. Um, you're going to see his on base percentage sit right around 350. Um, you know, defensively, you know what you have with Tim Anderson. He's not great, but like you said, he makes the, the hard plays. Um, you know, if he could clean up his defensively defense a little bit, I, I seriously consider him probably one of the best shortstops in the game. Uh, I think you're going to see his power numbers increase a little bit. Uh, I, I have him sitting right around 22 to 25 home runs a year. You know, you saw his numbers increase last year quite a bit in the power game. Uh, my bench is going to be Paul DeYoung, and I'm still a guy who is going to take home runs in my lineup um and he's gonna be a 35 30 to 35 long ball a year guy but he'll strike out 150 times a year which if he cleaned up his strikeout numbers a little bit he, he'll be a, he'd be considered one of the best shortstops in the league um he's solid defensively his fielding percentage was 990 last year uh, i think he had eight errors last year as a during the season so my cut is uh, Trey Turner. I know the guy is blazing fast, on base machine as well. He played last season with a broken finger and still produced really well. He's one of the few guys that has played 162 games in a season in the recent years. Um, his 162 game average has him uh, hitting a 291 line with an OPS plus of 110. Uh, his power numbers, I think, are probably where they'll stay, so about 19 to 20 home runs a year. His war will sit right around a 4.3 every year. So that's what yeah, I Yeah, I think the only, the only difference for Turner and DeYoung and me, and I have them very, very close. Um, I mean, DeYoung was seventh in war among shortstops. Turner was eighth. Um, I mean, they're, they're almost yep. identical players in war value. But in what they actually do, they are so very different. Um, like, I mean, Turner's a lot like Anderson where he makes a lot of plays outside of his zone because of his speed. 
Or, I mean, DeYoung's the opposite. I mean, DeYoung actually ranked 19th out of 21 qualified shortstops in outside of the zone defensive metrics. So I know that you can't really quantify having that security blanket at shortstop. Like, as a pit, and we're both pitchers. We know what that feels like to have a guy at shortstop that you know if the ball is hit to him, he catches it. It's such a good feeling. And and we've been and we've been blessed to have a shortstop that's played on our college baseball team that has made yes. all the plays. And, I mean, you you have a guy who made and you know every what, and you know what that like a security blanket. And that's what DeYoung does for you. If the ball sits to him, yes. he catches it and he throws it to first uh, on a strike. That's so important. But at the same time, in a league that values home runs so much, but at the same time values on base percentage just as much, Turner's a guy that's going to hit me, you know, 15, 20 homers while getting on base as much as almost any other shortstop in the game. And at the same time, he gives yep. me that range at shortstop where if I make a mistake and a guy hits the ball really hard, he might be able to get to it, whereas DeYoung maybe doesn't. And that's the only thing that separates them for me is just that he's able to make some of the plays that DeYoung can't, and that that's valuable to me as a defensive player. No, yeah, I, I 100% agree. Um, I don't, I just I think we're still we're in a league right now where we value offense more than defense, and I think that's that's why I put DeYoung over Turner. I mean, Tim Anderson is by far I think the easy start out of these three, especially what he did last year. You know, I think he'll stay consistent. I don't know if you've been looking at those MLB yeah. sim games at all or whatever, but I mean they I. They have him right now hitting like 258, which I think is 100% realistic. That guy's not going to be under a 300 hitter, I don't think, during his peak right now. So I don't think you, I don't know how much people are really looking into those numbers. I've just been, I've been glancing at him every once in a while. The funniest part about all three of these shortstops is obviously they're not the best shortstops in the game. That's, I mean, that's why they're so comparable is because not any of them are like a, a top three. Because you're not going to take no, they're that they're that second tier yeah, shortstop. Because you're not going to take them over Lindor, you're not going to take them over Baez, you're not going to take them over Correa, you're not going to take them over Bo- over Glaber, over Bogarts or Torres. So those are, I mean, those are yeah. your top tier guys. But the funny thing about all three of those guys is, depending on the team, they have such different value to them. Because if you're valuing, yeah. if you need a middle of the bat, a middle of the order guy who's going to rake in homers for you and drive in a lot of runs. DeYoung's your guy. If you're mm-hmm. looking for a guy that's going to, you know, put the ball into the outfield and get base hits and be on base, you're looking at Tim Anderson. And if you're looking at a guy who can be a top of the order on base all the time and get your middle of the order guys extra chances of driving runs, you're looking at Turner. So all three have completely different values, even though they're so similar in their overall production. So I that's why I think these guys are it's kind of fun to do the start bench cup. Oh yeah, no, this is this is a good segment to have in here. All right. So we are going to move on to layoffs next and uh, we're gonna talk about you know a lot of the layoffs and minor leaguers that have been cut all around the league. So here we go. All right. Here we are, most underrated player in professional baseball right now. I'm so actually excited for this one. Yeah, so am I. Guy, even though I don't like this team, this guy is so underrated. And I'm telling you, no matter how many games are played this year, this dude is going to rake. 
And so is the guy that I have. So let's get into this. This guy was a Rule 5 selection in 2015. He was a Marlins prospect. And they just never really brought him up because he was in a crowd by Yelich, Stanton, and Ozuna. You got any guesses who it is? What team is he on? Oakland A's. Um, shoot. It's not Chris Davis because he's not underrated. Um, you're not going to say Loriano, are you? No, it's Mark oh, Hanna. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so this guy has now played uh, four years in the bigs. He has three years of service time, but he's been, you know, up and down for four years. The last two years is kind of when he's kind of broken out. His first year in Oakland was 2015. Played 124 games, 16 home runs, 70 RBIs. Last year in Oakland, 126 games, 26 home runs. 58 RBIs. RBIs were a little low last year. Um, but the one thing that really stood out to me with this guy was his war. It was a four. He had a four war? I would not have guessed that, actually. Yes. He had a four war last year. His base on ball percentage was a 13.5. Uh, strikeout percentage was a 21.5. His bat pip was a 308. He did a 273 line last year was his average. His, uh, I mean, this guy's a stunt. Yeah, that's not that There's no other way to put it. A two seventy three. I mean, it's not great. It's not. It's bad. not great. It's not great. No. Uh, he can play all three outfield spots because he really took off last year with Ramon Lariano's injury. Yeah. He was their everyday center fielder for a while. I'm right now starting as left fielder. Uh, but he can. Pl- he'll play all three outfield spots. And you can play first base. I know you got Matt Olson over at first base for the A's right now. Um, but I think at some point, once Chris Davis is done, that Matt Olson will transition to uh, DH and Cannon will go to be their everyday first baseman. I mean, yeah, uh, I, I like that I mean, Cannon rakes, but I would never really thought that he was putting up those good of numbers. Yeah, I, I mean, defensively, he's – solid defensively um he no errors last year none and that was while still playing games at first base um thousand fielding percentage last year that's pretty good yeah um i think this guy's gonna continue to get better he's still young um relatively young i think what he's 30 right now. I think he's 30. So he still has a couple of years left of his prime and I, I he's, he's a late bloomer. So, yeah. No, that's, that's a good one. I, when you went to A's, I kind of figured you were going to go like Chad Tinder or like you were going to uh, go with like Jarrell Cotton or somebody like that. Someone that's good that just because they play in Oakland. Can that's a good one. I like that one. Yeah, you know, I was also looking at Matt Chapman a little bit because um, he's really not in that first that first tier of third baseman, and he produces like a first tier third baseman. So I don't know, but Mark Cannon just stood out a little bit more to me. Matt Chapman is one of my top five favorite players in baseball. Mm-hmm. He is one of my top five favorite players in baseball. Yeah. He is awesome, unbelievable defender. 
hits like yeah, you but want your he's just. Base I, I think he's also um, severely underweight, underrated. I mean, you think of the first tier third baseman in that group. Yeah, you got you go Arenado, go Rendon, Bryant. But all right, who do you got? Um. All right. I'll let you guess mine eventually, right. too. But so, we're going with the Minnesota Twins. He was a rookie last year. He finished sixth in the AL Rookie of the Year voting and ended up with a higher war than Vlad Jr. Was it a rise? Eloy Jimenez. Second baseman? It was. Luis Arias. Yeah. That is my most underrated player. I think he is one of to ball players in all of baseball, and he doesn't get a lot of recognition because last year was his rookie year, and that rookie class was stacked. So when you think of the rookies last year, you think of, one, the Blue Jays, because they had Vlad, Bichette, and Biggio. Um, You think of Alvarez with the Astros. You think of Eli Jimenez. But you don't really think about Luis Arias. And that's because he doesn't do what those guys do. When you think about what Bichette and Vlad Jr. and Eloy Jimenez all do, they hit homers and they hit doubles. And they hit a lot of them. And they hit for power. Arise isn't like that. I mean, I know, again, I'm going back to average, but dude hit 334 as a rookie. That's tough. Your first year in playing in Major League Baseball, you hit 334 and produce a way to run screen of plus of 125. So you're, he's 25 points above the average player, and he hit four homers. And we know how much home runs and RBIs are valued in advanced statistics. And he was still 25 points above your average player by hitting four homers in 84 singles. That shows how much value he brings to the plate by just hitting the ball. And so that's why I think he's extremely underrated because he doesn't hit the home runs that other guys hit. But at the same time, he produces so much with one, being a great bat-to-ball guy, also being a great utility player because he played almost 40% of his innings at third base or yeah, third base and left field while also playing a lot of second base. And he filled in the shortstop when Polanco wasn't playing. So this is dude. And he was not nearly as good a defender as shortstop at second base, which that happens when you're talking about utility guys. A lot of them aren't successful at most positions, but he was a positive defender at third base and left field. He played 40% of his time there. So a guy that not only brings you a lot of versatility and what he can do in the field, but a guy that is going to be an extremely important piece of the top end of your order. And with the Twins, you have so many power bats in that order already. Having a guy that hits for average and still gets on base is extremely important in front of guys like Donaldson, Sano, Kepler, Garver, those guys, when they drive in runs, yeah, they put the balls in the seats. But they can't drive in runs through doubles if there's nobody on base. And those guys hit doubles as well. With a guy like Arias, who's on base a lot of the time, because he hits the ball so well, that offers more RBI opportunities and more run scoring oh, yeah, that's for your team speed. because he's so valuable he's still- on offense. Okay. He's a very yeah. He's an average. He's an average speed. Okay. I think I think his base running. No, yeah, I think his yeah, speed yeah. value was like a three. Yeah, no, which is that's... I mean not great, but it's average. 
But no, I mean he's a he's a guy that if you look into him, you find out more about him than you would think that you were getting out of him. And then I looked at the the rookie of the year voting, and I was like, he did get some votes. Like he got, he got more votes than Vlad Junior did. So I guess he did get a little bit of recognition. But again, if you ask people about the rookie class, nobody is going to. I mean, they're going to talk about Lux. They're going to talk about Eloy. They're going to yep. talk about Vlad. They're not going to talk. Oh about yeah. That- those are those were two really good underrated players. I mean, so that's my uh, that was that player. was a good one right there. I'll be tough to follow up next week. Yeah, next week. Next week, what we got to do? Here's what we're gonna do next week. Next week, we are gonna do big market teams yeah. and try to find steals in the big market underrated players because that's gonna be hard. It's always easy to find guys who aren't in big markets. Like, Minneapolis and Oakland aren't huge markets. Although the Twins were good last year, they still aren't big markets. So, next week, we're going to go to a big market yeah. city. Our next podcast, okay, we're going to go to a big market yeah. city and try to find underrated players. So, that's what we'll do. But, but... All right, we are on to the next segment, which is talking about some left on the league. So this has this has a lot to do with kind of the owner and player relations, I think, for the most part. Um, mostly owner and employee relations, um, depending on you know what the owner thinks is valuable in his organization. So I'm going to start off with the teams that actually have um, decided they are going to keep um, their staff at least through this month. So those teams are the White Sox. The Twins, the Tigers, the Royals, the Rockies, the Rangers, the Phillies, the Nationals, the Mariners, the Mets, Giants, Dodgers, Cardinals, Brewers, and Blue Jays. So if you were able to count that in that short period of time, that's 15 teams. So what that means is the other half of the teams in the league have already either furloughed their employees, laid off their employees, or have decided they are not committing to them beyond today. Um. So I think that's kind of a big talking point right now is what teams really are there for their employees and their staff and their players when, uh, you know, shit hits the fan. And I think about half the teams doing that is kind of a little bit scary, I would say, that you have a lot of the teams not making commitment to paying their employees. Um, But Kenny, what do you got? I, I think you said it in the teams that have said that they're going to keep their employees through the end of the month. You don't have the Yankees in there. I mean, they're all Steinbrenner's all about making money. Mm-hmm. Red Sox. I don't think you no. said them in there. Make money. That's all that their owner wants. I mean, look at the group that you see in there. It's a small market teams. Yeah. You said a couple big market teams. You said Philly in there. They're a big market team, but, I mean, they have that small market feel to a point. I mean, yes, they do all go out and get pitchers, but they are players, but they do have a lot of homegrown guys. Like, a lot of those teams that you have said in there, homegrown. Like, those guys have came up through their farm system. The White Sox, a lot of those guys have came up through their farm system. Uh, I, I, you just don't see those big teams that are all about making money. And I think that's a big point is those owners just try to make I don't know if you money. saw this, but um, J.J. Cooper from Baseball America, he was um, he tweeted this out. He had been in contact with 
um, a lot of upper management for teams that had laid off some of their scouts and analysts and employees and teams that hadn't laid off um, their scouts and employees. And he had mentioned that the teams that had decided that they were not going to continue paying for, you know, their scouts and analysts, uh, a lot of people in the industry are like leery about those teams because um, them not really being able to step up and be an enthusiast for their employees during this tart this like these tough times. So a lot of them are going to struggle to get top talent in the industry. And I was like, well, how's that going to affect free agents? Well, he wasn't talking about free agents. He was talking about top scouts, top data analysts, um, front office personnel. So a lot of those teams are going to struggle when if there's a top scout available and he has multiple options, he's going to choose a team that decided they were going to back their people when shit got, when shit got tough, tough. And yep. I was, I mean, I'm kind of surprised with that, but at the same time, it made a lot of sense because I mean, if you're and don't even think about it in the baseball aspect, if you're an employee and I have company A and company B and company A says, or company A is a history that if shit goes bad, it doesn't matter. You're a member of our team and you're here. You know, we're with you. But company B, if stuff goes bad, well, we need to make sure that we save money so our top line makes money. You're going to go with company A because you know that they're, they're going to be with you no matter what happens. And so they talk yep. – I mean, and I, I hadn't really looked at it that way, but coming from a guy who is in the industry and works for one of the most prestigious baseball organizations in the country – him saying that talking to people in the industry and they're talking about how like top scouts, top analysts, top personnel, and also another key aspect, international players, because their agents are going to realize, yeah, the Red Sox decided that they're just going to cut people when stuff gets bad. But even though the Royals are not as good and they might not, might not have as much money, if stuff goes bad, you're going to have a job. And so that was yep. really, really eye-opening that that – is that has that big of a deal? No, oh, yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. I mean, you're going to go to those teams that are going to keep you. You might see these smaller markets teams start benefiting from this. Even like, you know, it might not be player wise because, you know, a lot of players are money hungry. They want the hot, biggest contract they can get. But scouts, analytics department, front office staff like you might see those top end guys start going to these smaller market teams yeah and that's i mean that's I mean, it's a big deal i mean if you're a team that can't get the top scouts and you can't get the top analysts that's just as important as not getting the top player and as much as you really want to say that that's yes. not true at all it is because if we don't have guys that actually know what they're looking for in you know young talent and we don't have guys that know how to calculate the data to make us make informed decisions about who we want on our team, then we're not going to be the same team. Oh, yeah, I 100% agree. But, okay, so let's go into the, the cutting of the minor league players. Um, what do these players that have been cut do for a year? I mean, I, I saw something on Twitter. Uh, I don't remember who tweeted it. Um, they said, hey, what if these guys go start a league? They start a league for these guys down in Florida, and they go play down there for a year and you know that there was talks about major league baseball cutting down the the levels to get up to the major leagues and what if this is the new thing like hey you know as a major league organization we're gonna have a triple a and double a organization in our international and our rookie league still but 
what if those guys that are like low A baseball, high A baseball, what if those guys go play this league in this league and at the end of the year, like they're major league eligible to sign with me, like those well, here's leagues. The, yeah. And just and say the they go is, they like, go play. A lot like the KBO. Like let's say those guys that they got cut. Because Passon Passon just said that he's projecting over a thousand cuts um throughout all thirty teams, which is yeah. a boatload of players. Let's say of those yes. thousand guys, some of them say, you know what? Major League Baseball is too worried about starting the season. They're scared. Let's go start our own season in Florida. And let's do 10 teams. Yes. We'll have 10 teams. And we'll play 20 games apiece. And let's see what we can do. And now all of a sudden, that league starts July 1st. Well, Major League Baseball hasn't even started yet. That league's going to be popular. That's American Baseball. Yeah happening on american soil and it came back before major league baseball um that would be and i could absolutely see that happening because one of, one of these got one of these rich baseball fans is going to say you know what i miss baseball too and i'm not scared to start it so let's start up some teams and you know let's see what happens i could honestly see that happening no so could i that's just all these guys that have been cut go play i mean this could be the league that almost takes over those lower level of Major League Baseball. Yeah, I mean, and you don't know and how long at, it would just last. at the end of the I mean, it could last only this year. No, but it could. But what if what if they do get a good viewership just from this, and they do get supported for next year, and and the guys that are lower end Major League Baseball players that really have no chance of making the major leagues. What if they stay in this league? It almost would take over yeah, for I indie ball. I was going to say it might pass over indie ball because. These guys were MLB hopefuls, and now they are playing in a league where they're with a bunch of other major league hopefuls. And I don't know. I mean, that could be – that could be – and you know, all of a sudden you get, you know, a cheap TV deal with, like, Fox or FS1 or something. And, hey, major, we have actual American baseball being played in America, and it's here before major league baseball. That would be something. Yeah. I mean, we saw how popular the KBO has gotten since that's the only baseball that's on TV I'm right now. It. I mean, you, I stay LG, up at night LG to watch Twins, it. baby. I mean, that's, that's, this is an LG Twins podcast, just letting you know. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, you, you saw how popular that's gotten. I mean, their viewership is up a ton. And you see a guy like Tyler Saladino, who's kind of tearing it up right now in the KBO, who kind of was an MLB reject. He was a platoon guy at best. Played a couple years in the bigs, but not like what he's doing over I mean, the KBO. Spanier might win the Cy Young in that league, and he bounced around like yes. freaking tic-tac. And he was never really a great major league pitcher. I mean, this guy might – he might have a chance to come back into the major league yeah, next it's year. On, I mean, I know I stay up to watch it. And, again, baseball is baseball, and people are going to watch it. If it, I mean, KBO is sometimes on at 4 in the morning here. And people still watch it. Can you imagine if we had actual baseball yeah. being played at actual American time periods? You would watch it. Yeah, think if we, yeah, if we had this league of minor league players that they're pro- if they go down to Florida, that'd be perfect because you got all the spring training stadiums they can use down there. You got there's so many college baseball teams in Florida that their fields aren't even being used right now. Like, just go use these fields for a little bit and let these guys play. Let's get some stuff on the TV. Let's go watch some damn baseball. It's time. Oh, yeah. I, I would be down for that. Also, what I would be down for is our next segment. Oh, right, me too. There. 
the freaking AL East. I yep. freaking hate this division, but I get it done with, so I don't have to talk about it again. I hate an entire division, but damn, the AL East, man. I hate the Yankees, hate the Red Sox. I mean, the Rays and Jays are all right, and the Orioles are just a lost organization. I don't think they'll ever have success. I know. So. The thing that most because they get that East Coast bias, so all anybody talks about. AL East. AL East. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, the Red Sox might finish fourth place in that division this year, and it'll still somehow be a top five talking point on all baseball coverage. Yes. And they'll still and, – and the bullshit part about that is, is that they'll still be a top 15 team and that will oh, be power sure, ranking. sure. They will – they'll talk about how, you know, all oh, E. Evaldi was, you know, he's going to be a three ERA guy and, you know – Michael, no, dude, they're going to be average. They're going to be average. Yeah, they're going to have a good offense, yes. but they're going to be average. And if they're not average, I, I, yeah, I the one thing about the Red Sox is I have no idea how they're going to win with that well, rotation. Them, but we'll yeah. get into that once we talk to them. We're talking about Yeah. Yeah. I got them finishing fourth in the division I, this I, year. That's exactly where I have them. I have them, I have them behind the Blue Jays. Yes, I have right now. If I when I'm looking at this division, the Yankees will win the division. You'll have the Rays in second, the Blue Jays in third, the Red Sox in fourth, and the Warriors team in baseball. That's exactly that's exactly how I have the division finishing out. And honestly, with the Red Sox, they okay. I'll get they have the potential to be a top two team in that division only because their offense is still very very potent. And even though they lost, even though they lost yes. Mookie, if you look at not only like obviously they have the big bats, they have Martinez, Benintendi, and Bogarts. So those are their three big guys. But they have so they brought in Verdugo, who is probably going to struggle a little bit against lefties, but he's going to figure it out because he's going to play every day. And they have Chavis, yeah, who Chavis is going to yep. be a good hitter for now. I don't know he might progress into a really good hitter later on, but right this year he would be a good hitter. And I think he overperformed last year a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So I think that a lot of people thinking that he's going to do the same thing next to this upcoming season. I I don't see it. Um, but I mean, he can shock us, and let's see. I mean, he might be able I to think, do it again. Yeah, I, I think his upside for this year, this year at least, is a good hitter. I don't think he's becomes a great hitter until a couple years down the road. Um, but he's a he's a good hitter right now. But here's the thing about their offense is that they have a lot of guys to platoon with, which is kind of important because you have a guy like Moreland who you're going to, you're going to hit against right, right-handed pitching. Uh, you have a guy like yep. Jackie Bradley Jr. Who's going to be really good against right-handed pitching. And then you, on the flip side, you have Pilar. Who can give you that same defensive value that Bradley gives you. Yep. Um, and Christian Vasquez, who's going to be, Good against left-handed pitching. And, hey, but, Christian Vasquez is another guy. He was rated a higher defensive catcher than Yachty the last two years. Yeah, he – no, Christian Vasquez is a very good player. Yeah. No, he's not a great hitter, but defensively, he's going to be really good for that rotation this year, I think. Because but again, he's not he's not going to overpower the bias of Gary Sanchez. So, no one's going to no, talk about him. No, and – I, you you look at that rotation right now and losing Sale, bringing out a rotation of Eduardo Rodriguez, who's really good. He's going to be a very good pitcher. 
He's not there yet. A couple more years and he'll be talked about in the Scion contention, but I don't know if he'll ever get there just because of the other names in the in the in the well, that's the thing is Red- Rodriguez has always been so up and down. Like he'll mm-hmm. come out and he'll give you a seven inning two run performance, but then his next start is four innings with five earned. So he's never actually figured out consistency, which especially as a lefty who doesn't really throw the ball very hard, you have to be consistent to yep. be considered a top-tier pitcher, which he just hasn't figured out. Like, he hasn't figured out the luster of, if I can hit my spots, and although I'm never, I'm never going to overpower anybody, if I can hit my spots, I'll be a consistently good pitcher. And he yeah. hasn't figured that out yet, but again, he's still pretty young. He's like 27, 28. Yeah. And you got Nathan Avaldi in that rotation, which I don't think he's a starter. I think, I think if they transition to a setup guy, I think he'd do a lot better in that role. I got, but it's so wild and inconsistent with what he does. I think the group, the best pitcher in that group right now is Martin Perez, and that's not saying much. If you look at his stats over the last couple of years, he's been pretty consistent. No, yeah, I like, I like, and also don't sleep on the McHugh pickup. Yeah, no, Colin McHugh will be good, but I just think Martin Perez will probably ace this year. Which says a lot about that rotation. Yes. And their bullpen, I mean, the Red Sox really haven't had a great bullpen. You got Workman and Barnes. Marcus Walden's and you got right. and Yeah, and you got to hope that Marcus Walden and Josh Taylor figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, that's, that's a team that – I don't really see doing much and being that scary. But, again, anytime you go to Fenway and you have to go through a lineup that has, you know, MVP candidate Martinez and then Benintendi and Bogarts and Redugo and Chavis could pop off. You, I mean, it's always a scary And you're game. forgetting about their third baseman, too. Oh, I forgot about De- – I probably forget about Devers. Yeah, Devers. Duh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. But, again, anytime you go face that lineup, it's a little bit scary. But yeah. over the course of a year, I don't see them being consistently good enough to actually scare for a, a pennant chase or even a, a wild card chase. So, yeah, I, you know, their their farm system – well, hey, their farm system's all right, too. They got some big prospects <laughs> that will be up in a couple of years, too. So, well, yeah, they picked up – Yeah, yep. Too. All right, who do you want to go to next? But, uh, I'll say we go to Toronto. Yeah. Let's say we go over the board. Yeah. All right, what do you got on Toronto? I like their I like that Hunjin Ryu pickup. I I think that's gonna be a very undervalued pickup. He got paid, but it's not he's not talked about as one of the big pickups this offseason. Um what is he, thirty three years old, thirty two years old, and they signed him to a four year eighty million dollar deal. So he's Which is a which is a big deal for a guy who's eight. Yes, but he's a I mean, you've seen pitchers Especially left-handed pitchers, they can make it. I mean, Hunjin Ryu is another guy that's yes. not going to overpower you. He figured out that if he can hit his spots, he's going to be good. Yeah, he's on. He, I mean, we we mentioned him like three times already, but he's on like the Lester path. Yeah, as long as I can figure out how to hit my spots and not overpower guys, I'll be successful. Yeah, and you know the rest of that rotation, you got Tanner Rourke, who's I okay. Here's I'm going to intervene. I love the Blue Jays rotation. Call me crazy. I love the rotation. Well, who do you have as their five right now? Their... What? Who do you have as their rotation right now? 
So right now I have so obviously I don't know actually if we use their one. It might be Strowman. Strowman's in New York. It could... I'm an idiot. <sighs> wow. Um wow. Um but no, okay. We use their one. Yep. But I okay, you have so you bring in Tanner as your number yep. two. Who Tanner is consistent. Super consistent. You know what you're getting out of him. He's not going to be an ace, but he's going to give you anywhere from five to seven innings to keep you in the ball game. Which, with that lineup, will work. Keeping keeping you in ball games is yep. important. And then you go from or you go from Ryu and Tanner at the top end, and then you have guys at the back end like Shoemaker and Andrew. Yep. And Shoemaker's coming back off an injury, so you always have to be a little bit weird, like leery about that. But he you know, in like his twenty some innings that he pitched last year, he had a one five seven. Yeah, there. he started off last year really well, and then he got hurt. But that's a guy who, if he's your number three or four, you're not in bad shape again, considering who your bats are. Yes, if you're if you had if you locked in there with a lineup like this, this was your rotation. Who I think is keeping your team in ball games, which I think that's a lot of what their rotation is is keeping their team in ball games. But I, I think they they'll probably finish it off with Trent Thornton. I'm guessing that's who the, their number five will be. Yeah, but they still got um, Yamaguchi too that came over and. Oh, you're right. They do you don't Yamaguchi. know. I I I think they'll yeah. go with Thornton. No, that's my gut. And you still have guys like Baruki who pitched really well the last yes. two years. He. Baruki's another he, sleeper. He You're might right. not be in that rotation this year. After he kind he did really well the last two years. I mean, he came up in September the year Again, before. That's, that's another reason why I think that rotation is a lot better than most people are going to look at it as. Is they are very deep. I mean, you're and like prospect wise, Pearson and Kay and Reed Foley. Yeah, those guys haven't even really like gotten a chance to be full-time guys yet, and they're at the top of their And the one thing that does scare me, though, about the Blue Jays is that bullpen. You look through their bullpen, and you got Ken Giles and Anthony Bass are, like, those top two guys really in the bullpen. Yeah, and then, see, that's why I think that they leave Yamaguchi in the bullpen. That's why I think he becomes a bullpen guy, just because they have more depth in their starting pitching, whereas their bullpen is a lot more shot. And, you know, their their Um, offense will be good. Besides their pitching, though, yeah, I was going to say, besides their pitching, their offense is going to be pretty legit, too. I mean, you're talking about those young bats, which also another big sleeper, which does not, not going to matter because we're doing big city next week, but Lourdes Gurriel is kind of a monster. Yeah. I don't know if you've looked actually like deeper into the things that he does, but, I mean, he hit 270, slugged 541 last year, and had 20 bombs and only 340 yeah. at-bats yeah. or plate appearances. No, and – he only played even four Yeah, games you know, the other guy who I really like in that is Teoscar Hernandez because that's a guy that yes. has a ton of power. A ton of power. And, and he has yes. so much potential. And he's still young, too. What, what, he's 25, I think, maybe 26. I mean, he's still young. I mean, he hit 230, but slugged yes. 472. His OPS was so a 778. Yeah, he's. I think, I think their offense is one of the most slept on like things in yes. all of baseball. 
And you don't, you're not, they're not sleeping on the prospect because everybody looks at him like, oh, they got Biggio and Bichette and Vlad Jr. Like, oh, they're coming. Yeah, but look at the other guys around them. They got Guriel. They have Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, they have Travis Shaw, who's a great bat against right-handed pitching. They have some guys that can that can swing it. Also, their catching tandem, Jansen and McGuire. Yep. So I I think this year, third place. Next year, they might pass up the race. I can see. Well, it. let's get into the race then. All right, I like. Okay, speaking on the Rays, I love the Rays. Yep. Uh, well, I think the Rays are actually a top five team in the game. Oh yeah, hey, you know their pick for my underrated player was Nick Anderson. Yeah, really, dude. Nick Anderson's filthy. That to end a game, that's the guy you got to face. That's tough. I I seriously think digits, he's filthy. I teams, think he tough. is seriously a top three closer in the game. He is filthy. He needs to get a little more experience under his belt of being at in the ninth inning and getting the final three yeah. outs. But he is gross. Yes, that's an uncomfortable at bat for either a righty or a lefty because that slider, even though it looks like it's breaking into your bat path, it ends up at your back. Knee. Yeah, and you know they they have Diego Castillo in that pen, Jose Alvarado, Chaz. I mean that bullpen is nasty. If you're and their starting rotation is just as yeah, gross. you got Snell, Morton, Glass now, Torino's, Yarbrough, and Brandon McKay. I mean, you'll pro- if, yes. if you're playing a full season this year, McKay's probably up at some point. I think I think McKay actually ends up being a bullpen guy because the rotation is already so good. No, I mean your your top three Snell, Morton, and Glass now compete with anybody in the league. I mean, you saw it last year; they competed with Houston. Yeah, they only had Houston on the ropes with those three guys leading. Yeah. And then Torino's and Yarbrough, who haven't really like solidified themselves yet, they're close. Are still they're really close to. I mean, that could, really that is going to really be close. one of the best rotations in baseball. I know you're going to lose Charlie Martin at some point, and I think that's would you be Brendan? Yeah, McKay? I think that's where Brendan McKay is going to. I mean, you're going to run out of rotation in a couple of years of Snell, McKay, Glass, now Trinos and Yarbrough. That's a top rotation in baseball. And, and lefty wise, you're not going to probably find a better left-handed rotation. Then when you roll in the next couple of years with Snell, Yarbrough, no. and McKay, that's a, that's going to be as tough lefty matchups as you're going to find because you're going to go with Snell who's sitting 96 with filthy breaking balls. Then you're going to Yarbrough who's throwing like 91, but he spots stuff. And then you go back to McKay who's about 95 with yeah. good movement. I, I mean, so you get three different stuff from three different left hand. I arms. think. Tampa Bay is going to be a team that dominates that division in a couple of years. I think they will be better than the Yankees because the Yankees are an aging rotation. But we'll... the only thing that scares me about the Rays is when do they exactly? Yeah, because they always I... do. They always pull it up because you have you only have to get a couple of years, and all of a sudden, hey, Renfro costs too much. Adios. Hey, Meadows is too much. Bye, Brandon Lau. You're off your rookie deal in arbitration. You want too much money. See ya, Glass. Now you want to. I mean, all of a sudden it takes. A couple years, and they're all yeah. gone. And, yeah, they'll, re- they'll refill them with guys who are going to be studs again. But you never know. Or at some point, do the I mean, do the Rays at some point make a change in their mindset and the ownership where they say, hey, let's keep this group together? I just don't see – I mean, they never have. Yeah, well, like, I mean, up on price and shield. And, I mean, the White Sox just did it. So you never know. I mean, the White Sox just said, screw it, we're going to spend money for the first time ever. 
I mean, it, all it takes is one year to say we're going to change. But I mean, they 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 haven't spent know. the race have not spent money in so long. I think this might if they're going together, it's these guys. It's the team that they have now. Let's keep them together because I mean, you still have Wander Franco who's sitting down in the minor leagues. Yep. Yeah, they're. I mean, they have they have all the firepower. I mean, I was looking through their lineup. They have every. I mean, you have Renfro, Meadows, Lowe, and Sutsogo, who big sleeper. You have Tommy Sutsogo. He's one yep. of our favorites, but he is. I mean, he's great in Japan for the last yeah. five years. I mean, I remember watching him in the World Baseball Classic, and it was like, uh oh, here comes yeah. Sutsogo, and you could see every every player in the in the American or in the United States stuck out was like, oh, here comes this guy again. Like, let's get ready for this guy to hit one thirty yeah. rows deep. And what about you know? And this is another guy that doesn't get talked about a lot, but G Man Choi. Yes, and G Man Choi is another guy who can be pop, or he can be a guy that puts the ball in play yeah. and makes things happen. He finally got his first full year as a first baseman last year. I know he platooned with Jose Martinez a little bit, but I mean, you saw Jose Martinez there too, who rakes. Yeah, that's I love that. If there's a if there's if that's if there's a thing best platoon in baseball, I think it's G Man Choi and Jose Martinez. Yeah, I have him down here too. Like just guys, because other than those four or five guys that hit homers, then you have guys that just hit piss rockets. Yeah, for base hits like Diaz and Martinez and Joey Wendell, like those guys just hit piss rockets for base hits. I mean, if you're if you look at their have, depth chart right now and, at second base, you got Brandon Lowe, stud. Joey Wendell, great guy to have on your bench. And Daniel Robinson, Robertson. Right. Yeah, he's a, he's a, good, he's a yeah. good bench guy. And don't forget, defensively, they're just as good mm-hmm. as anybody else, too. Well, you, have, you might have the best center fielder, defensive center yes. fielder in the game. Kiermaier. And you have, like, a top 10 defensive shortstop, yeah. too, in Adamas. So I I think they're like dead serious with a fifty game schedule they could actually win yes. the World Series because that allows for so much more chaos that you get a few wins here against the Yankees and the Yankees is a couple here all of a sudden they win the division and the Yankees are in a wild card game. Yep. All right, we got we got one more we, right. We, we don't even oh have to talk God. about the Orioles. We know what the Orioles are. I mean, they're fifth in the division. We have one. There's one player. Okay, there's one player on that team you can talk about. Who? John Means. John Means. That's the only yeah. player you can talk about. Like literally, the only guy. Like a three six ERA, and his FIP is a little bit high. Yeah. Like he might regress, and he's their only guy that you can talk. Yeah, about. I saw one one thing. Uh, I was looking at the Orioles, and they were talking about making Hunter Harvey their closer this year, which is a guy who has bounced between their minor league system, but really, like, hasn't had any seller stuff. I mean, Michael Givens isn't a closer. I mean, that guy blows games. But I, yeah. it would be interesting to see what they do, give it Hunter Harvey the chance. The other guy that I do like with the Orioles is Anthony Santander. I, yeah, Santander – see, the thing about Santander is he's, like – he doesn't do anything that's, like, stellar. There's He doesn't – he hit 20 homers, like, okay, he hit some homers. But average yeah. offensive player, average yeah. offensive player. His upside is, like, maybe he'll hit 25 yep. homers. Maybe if he has a great yep. year, he'll hit 30. 
But, like, there's nothing that he does where it's like, Anthony Santander is the guy. But at the same time, he's like a good And, you know, when they do decide to bring Adley up, it's going to be a waste of his talent because they're not going to win with him. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Only other guy besides Means that I think is even relevant is Austin yep. Hayes, who's their mm-hmm. fielder. But he had seven five yeah. plate appearances last year. So, like, how can you even measure? I mean, yeah, congrats. You had 145 later runs created plus, but you've had 75 plate appearances. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, like, we can measure you defensively. Like, he's a good defensive player. But offensively, 75 plate appearances, I can't really decide if you're a yeah. good player or not. Like, you need to yeah. have another year. So, again, upside, yeah. Like, there's some upside there with him. But with 75 plate appearances, uh, yeah. not all yet. Right, let's go to the Yankees. The team that just throws all the damn money in the world to whoever they want and they get them. Yeah, I I don't really even know what to say again about the Yankees. I think, I mean, they're the World Series favorite, as they should be. I mean, they go out and sign one of the top yep. three pitchers in the game. Their rotation behind him is one of the best rotations in the game because now Paxton's back healthy because the season yep. got delayed, which of course yeah. he's back healthy now for them. And then obviously you know what you're getting out of Tanaka. Montgomery has a great upside. Um, so, I mean they lost Severino, so that's and Herman's yep. suspended. You got Jay Happ though to fill the role. Like, I mean, he um don't even start with Jay. I mean that's who's going to be in their rotation. Jay Happ. He is so bad. And they're paying him a lot of money because they can, which is a sh- an absolute shame. Yeah. I mean, their pen, I, you got a top pen arm in Chad Green. I think that guy's still getting better. Hey, what is he, 27? Yeah, Jonathan Holder and Zach Britton and Araldis Chapman and Tommy Canely. You just yeah. list them. You list them off. They, here they come. And they're, they got good prospects. I mean, they got Debbie Garcia. I don't think they'll call up this year. I think that'd be a wasted service year for him. But I think he'll be up to start out 2021 in that rotation spot. You got the Estrada Estrada kid at shortstop who's going to be a good player. You got Jason Dominguez, the 16-year-old stud outfielder, and Albert Abreu, Luis Medina. I mean, they have the farm system, too. I mean, those guys will probably never play in their farm system because they'll go out and flip them. The one guy that will probably play for him is Debbie Garcia. But Yeah, they'll – and he might he might be a guy this year that ends up getting some innings just because with Severino and Herman being out. Uh, so I wonder how that works. Do you think that his suspension will get shortened if the season gets shortened? Probably all year, right? For the whole season. Or do they prorate that too? I want. I want yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. Because if he's supposed to get suspended mm-hmm. for what eighty games, right? And so that's half of the season. Well, now does that mean he gets suspended yeah. for twenty five games? I, that I mean, that's I the other thing that's that weird. I was have been looking into. So for like Hinch and Luplo and uh, Cora and Beltran, do those guys just this is they get suspended for fifty games? I don't know. I I have no idea because of yeah. course that would happen. AJ Hinch would get off scot free because he's be only the, fifty games. So by getting yeah yeah, and he'll be the manager this year. I don't know. I I look at the Yankees. I mean. It's probably one of the best lineups in baseball. It's not, I mean, it sounds crazy, but it's probably one of the best lineups in baseball I've seen in the last yeah. 15 years. And you name it, they have it. You need power. Okay, well, we're bringing back a healthy stand yep. and a healthy judge. 
You need guys that hit piss rocket doubles in the gaps. All right, well here's and Mayhew and Andrew Torres. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, don't forget about don't forget about Glaber and Sanchez and Voigt who hit and DJ bombs too. Oh, you need yeah, you need guys that play really good defense. Well, Judge is one of the best arms in baseball. Stanton is one of the best arms in baseball. Aaron Hicks is one of the best defensive yeah. center fielders in baseball. Like, there's no, I mean, there's nothing you can say on them that isn't like they're gonna be good. Like that's all you can say is they're gonna be good. Yeah. But all right, I think that's all we have yeah. on the AL East. Thank so, God we don't have to talk about I this think division again. One... Yeah, thank the Lord. Um, but yeah, I think the one last thing we want to talk about before we close today is kind of some. It wasn't really like huge news because he's not as big of a player as he once was. Um, but some news. I mean, it's at least it's news that's. I, mean, I guess yeah, it's not. It's not a good way to say it. At least it's some news that isn't about the owners. But again, it's still not good news because the guy's out for the year. Yeah, so, so Chris Archer today is out for the year after a deep vein thrombosis, which is a blood clot in his arm. That He got the thoracic yeah. outlet surgery, right? And that's yeah. What, isn't that what so, Harvey had? This is – I mean, yeah, you saw what scary. happened to Harvey after – I mean, he's nothing anymore. Um, the one interesting thing about Chris Archer, he has an $11 million club option next year. With the Pirates. Um, so, that will be interesting to see what they decide. I mean, at this point, I don't think there's any way they keep him next year. And what is he valued as as a free agent for next year? Yeah, and you want to talk about one of the most lopsided yeah. trades we've seen in the last decade. Yeah. Holy smokes. Glass yeah. now and Meadows. And he's been a it, bum. In you look at his Tampa Bay stats, and – he was good. I just never thought he was great. Well, and the, whole, the the reason that he had value, and it was always said that no matter how good or bad he was, it was, yeah, well, he's controllable. That was his value. But you know what? If you're bad and you're controllable, mm-hmm. you're still bad. Getting taken into the ocean by Derek Dietrich was the final yeah. straw to realize that he sucked. Yeah. He sucked. And he had a couple of good years, but because they accepted him with this club-friendly deal, and that was his value, that's, I mean, I never understood the hype for him. He was never good in the last three to four years. He just had those couple good years at the beginning of his career, and because he had value as a club-friendly, a club-friendly deal, he had value, which didn't make any sense to me, but... Uh, hey... You know, also, yeah, we have deal, uh, breaking news. MLB for- rejects MLPA's proposal, no counter offer plan. Yes. Really? Is that from this our boy is from the Ken Rosenthal? Yes. Really? And, oh, yeah, yeah so uh, they said uh, the league has no plans to extend a counter proposal. See, Passon's kind of the other way around. He says that – so here's Passon's official words were, Major League Baseball made official was expected since Sunday and formally rejecting the Major League Baseball Players Association 114-game proposal. 
MLB is not countering, which brings the possibility of it implementing a 50-game season. So they're not countering the 114-game proposal. They're just saying, we're yep. sticking to our 50-game proposal. Yep. And you either take it or not. Which, just for the players at this point, this point, you either got to say, you either got to say, okay, we'll give you one more offer. Here's the, eight, here's the you know, 70 to 80 game schedule. If they say, nope, no counter, then you say, you know what, screw it. Because we're still getting our prorated salaries. And, you know, although it's only 50 games, yeah. at least not getting a pay cut. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that one. So, I don't know. I guess that's actually a really good way to leave it because hopefully the next time yeah. we're on, we have some well, then, uh, We'll see you All guys right. uh, next Wednesday for next week's podcast. Unless we decide to if do there's a break, If there's something know. breaking that there's happens, we will uh, go from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe we'll make a short podcast for a Saturday edition. Yeah. Give you guys some weekend fun. Um, but, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we're excited to have a podcast. We're going to be releasing some articles here pretty soon. So, um, yeah, thanks again. Um, thank you to Anchor for being our sponsor. Um, again, Anchor is a great podcast uh, service for all you guys who are thinking about starting a podcast. Um, hooks you up with sponsorships. Makes it very simple to make a podcast um, and have people listen to it on some of the biggest platforms uh, available. So, yeah, check out Anchor if you're ever interested in making a podcast or you, know, you want to learn more. And uh, thank you guys again and have a great rest of your day. Oh, thank you. Well, to borrow a phrase from a man I uh, deeply admire, uh, I'd like to pull up a chair. Take me out to the ball game. Oh, boy.